going to close out the book of Galatians and move on to whatever chapter or book that the Lord wants me to move on to next. Um, Be praying with me today. I am working on some mechanics as far as my teaching and what I do so that I can become a lot more efficient in some areas. Amen? Galatians, the sixth chapter, verses 11 through 18. Keisha, we're going back to the New Living Translation. Forgive me for not sending you the scriptures. Again, I know you love me. It's not personal. But uh, we might have to ride with Pastor writing through here because Pastor is uh, taking on quite a bit and the Lord is even dumping some more things onto my plate. And so I've got to get my system down. But uh, I thank God for what he's doing. Galatians, the sixth chapter, verse 11 through 18, a New Living Translation. And notice this. It's all in capital letters. So Paul says, notice what large letters I use as I write the closing words in my own handwriting. Those who are trying to force you to be circumcised want to look good to others. They don't want to be persecuted for teaching that the cross of Christ alone can save. And even those who advocate circumcision don't keep the law themselves. We talked about that. They only want you to be circumcised so they can boast about it and claim you as their disciples. As for me, may I never boast about anything except for the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, here we go. My interest in this world has been crucified, and the world's interest in me has also died. It doesn't matter whether we have been crucified or not. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. May God's peace and mercy be upon all who live by this principle. They are the new people of God. From now on, don't let anyone trouble me with these things. (laughs) For I bear in my body the scars that show that I belong to Jesus. Dear brothers and sisters, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Good to see you, Brother Leroy, and your wife. Amen. So imagine being a parent of a child that brags all about what they do to take care of themselves while they are yet living in your home. (laughs) Imagine them taking credit for all the good things that they have become and never mentioning you or your effort or your sacrifice. The parent that has walked them into maturity and has been a part of the prosperity that they are experiencing. And whatever they are experiencing, they are experiencing this and receiving all of this while in the security of your house. Now, imagine going to heaven and telling God, That the reason you are in heaven is because of all the wonderful things that you have accomplished for his kingdom. And if it had not been for you and what you yourself did at the beginning of your salvation, then God would not have saved you. So thank God for God. And thank God for myself. 
for doing things that would get God to notice how wonderful I really am. After teaching the church to bear burdens, whether burdens of sin, as I taught you that we are to bear for one another, or practical burdens where we share in the burdens of one another to make the loads lighter for the church and also the church teachers and leaders. Amen. Fellow Christians, pastors that give to the need. Amen. People that help the pastor or help each other. Amen. Paul now concludes this letter to the Galatians by going back to his very first point and calling out the sin of legalism. He breaks his pattern and says, listen, I've taken you through a few things and talked to you about a bunch of stuff that I think is important. And now back to the purpose for me writing this letter. And I'm writing with big letters at the end of this letter. Because Paul wants to emphasize to his readers how serious the error of the Judaizers actually is. Amen? He wants them to remember this thing, that only the cross of Christ can save. Depending on rule-keeping for salvation is sin. And the reason why it's sin is because it feeds something that God hates. And you know what that is? Our pride. Our pride, amen? This is what Paul desires to leave in the minds of his readers before he closes the letter. The problem of pride is all through these last verses that we will see, amen? Those of us who are trying Verse 12 says, those of us, or those who are trying, rather, to force you to be circumcised want to look good to others. Right off the top, he's basically saying, this ain't about Jesus. For them, this ain't about the Lord. This is not about the Savior. This is about selfish pride. The motive that comes from religious pride is not the same as the humbling effect of the cross on the heart. Pride has the ability, the ability to twist and disfigure what God intends to do through you. Amen? You can be attending church and serving in the church, but your reason for serving has nothing to do with Jesus. Mm. The Jews in the church that were teaching and preaching that to be saved or to get on God's good side, you must first be circumcised. This is what they were doing. But the real agenda was all about trying to win more converts to Judaism so that they can go back and report the big numbers to their superiors in Jerusalem. This would result in promotion for themselves. <laughs> and respect for themselves because they had brought people into the front line or the front door, rather, of Judaism, which is circumcision. This, as I said before, has nothing to do with Jesus Christ. Nothing. This is all about pride and achievements. It's not even about saving souls. It was about looking good 
to others. Many ministries, how many ministries, how many ministries that we see today uh, are really in their core? You know, the mission is really not about Christ, but the mission is really about numbers. Hmm? How many churches and ministries are we seeing that are failing because the people start to realize this, isn't, this ain't about me? This is about you and your group and, and how you can build your thing and make folks look like, you know, ooh, this is something we really ought to be a part of because there's so many people joining. The truth of the matter is, is God is not impressed with numbers. God is not ever impressed with numbers. If God was all by himself, he is still the majority. None of us outnumber God. He's everywhere. Are you hearing me? So people that base success on quantity and not quality, where bigger is better. Huh? The truth is, is Jesus just doesn't think that way. He doesn't think that way. To Jesus, pure is better. Amen? Yeah. Having it be about Christ and having it be about righteousness. And what this is really about is not reporting big numbers. This is about God. Amen? Next part of the verse. It says, they don't want to be persecuted for teaching that the cross of Christ alone can save. The circumcision crew that infiltrated the church taught a message that was easy to hear. It strokes the ego because it makes people feel that they could possibly do something to earn salvation. Are you hearing me? This is pride. Now, the message of the cross of Christ is always offensive. Amen? So if you want to avoid persecution, just don't preach the cross of Christ. <laughs> Teach people that they have what it takes to impress God, that they have what it takes to please the Lord. All they have to do is try harder and do right things and be a good person, etc. When you try to evangelize people, one of the hardest things to do is to get them to see that they're not good. That's the first problem you run into. You need Jesus. No, I don't. I'm a nice person. You should have seen what I did yesterday. Man, I was so nice. <laughs> the cross of Christ and the message of the cross says something that is completely opposite. Amen? And it's a message that states that people are sinners and are under God's curse, that a personal sacrifice was always required, that only the death of Christ on the cross can secure people's salvation, and that people can do nothing to obtain salvation, but to accept and, more importantly, receive Christ's sacrifice on their behalf. Amen. This is humbling. There is no room for pride near the cross. None. Those who understand what Jesus has done for us on that cross by dying for our sins, by making us right with God, 
those of us who have really taken in that kind of love, that kind of sacrifice, it diminishes the pride. It humbles you. You come to God with a need, not trying to impress him. Are you hearing me? Amen. Simple message. Here's another thing. Many folks don't mind rules when it comes to organizations. When it comes to observing external rights, they're pretty much with it. The problem comes when you're expected to change the way you live. (laughs) That's where the rubber meets the road. People can show up on time for service, be there on time for church events. We start at 1130. People will go, if that's what it takes to attend, I'll be there. Amen? Make sure you wear your choir robe if you're in the choir. Amen? Celebrate certain church anniversaries. Fellowship with the people. There are all kinds and types of organizations that have rules and requirements that you must agree to before you can officially join. Even the Boy Scouts have rules. Amen? There are external things that you must do and you must say in order to continue and move forward in that organization. It's common today to build up a large church by lowering the standards to just rites and ceremonies and things we just do. External things. Amen? This is nothing new. The Pharisees have been doing this for a long time. Turning what God has intended to transform his people into nothing but a club where you do certain external things and requirements that you meet and rites and ceremonies that don't change anybody's heart. It don't cause you to look at God in a new way. They don't move your heart towards, towards his commandments. They don't break habits. They don't deal with sin. They don't conquer sin. It's just something I do. I just put it on my little outfit. I just, you know, follow this little bitty rule. But it doesn't change my heart. So what do, you, what do we want you to do? Go circumcise yourself. And now you'll be holy. No. Doesn't work. Circumcision was nothing to boast about, nothing to depend on. An external mark on your body has no effect on your heart. But it could have an effect on your ego. Especially back then, this was it. This was the mark. This was the way in. And then we just keep a bunch of rules. Huh? Follow, follow the rules. And as long as you follow the rules and you got the mark, then I guess you're okay with God. Oh, there's the blessings of Abraham falling on you. Why? Because you have the mark and you keep all the rules. And what does that say? Look at what I've done. I must be something. Of course I'm saved. Verse 14. Paul contradicts that. He says, as for me, May I never boast about anything, anything. This this verse preaches itself. Except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified and the world's interest in me has also died. Woo! That's heavy. 
We're going to deal with that in a minute. Verse 15 says, it doesn't matter whether we have been crucified or circumcised or not. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. So the cross of Christ has such an effect on Paul that it humbled him. Remember, Paul, out of anybody, was circumcised. Right? <laughs> right? He was circumcised. But he already knew that this outward mark on the body could not produce anything internally in his heart in a way that would make him surrender to his God. It had no effect. It has no power to affect love and honor and obedience to where you would glorify God with your very life. No. Not only that, the love of God caused him to lose interest in this world. And whatever this world had to offer. When God changes you, saints, there will start to be a disconnect. I don't know if you felt that. You go back to some of your friends and you kind of go, you know, I'm different about me. I'm not interested in that anymore. That doesn't sound like something I want to do anymore. Now, if I do hang around you, maybe I start to do it for evangelistic purposes. But I'm not doing what you do. I'm not going where you go. I'm just, I, I don't, there's a disconnect. He's started to pull me away. My heart is changing towards these things. The temptations of this world are starting to lose their grip. Are you hearing me? Before I was all in. But when God has done a circumcision of the heart, then something changes. Because there's nothing that I get from here that will ever compare to what I get from Jesus. There is no comparison. Offer me the world if you want to. But the bottom line is, is that it'll still come to a place where I'm going to need Jesus. I'm going to want Jesus. I'm going to desire Jesus. What does that? Not what you do to yourself, but what God does to you. Amen? In the wilderness... When Jesus was tempted by Satan himself, not one of his agents or generals. When Jesus was tempted by Satan himself, what we see there is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the subtle one. The pride of life. Right? Satan said, okay, look, I can't get you by going with the appetites. I'm going to try one more. Fall down and worship me, and I will give you all of these kingdoms. Right? When you are like Jesus, the temptation to be great, mm, the temptation to have everybody recognize that you're awesome and wonderful, the temptation for, to, to leave your mark, remember my name, fame. I'm going to live forever. <laughs> My son Jamie's like, what? <laughs> what song is that? All of that. The world conditions us and says we haven't been successful if we're not great. But what ends up happening is when the Lord enters your heart and you see how great Jesus is. Oh. And all of that and your crowns, you do like you're going to do in heaven. You're going to take your crown and you're going <laughs> to... 
You're going to lay it at his feet. <laughs> You're going to lay it at his feet. Because you recognize that no matter what I do, it'll never top what you have done. Amen? You got to watch that pride. Because that's what we're seeing here. What we're seeing here is the legalism is really a picture of pride in the heart. Huh? It's really about me exalting myself. Amen? So when you become like Jesus, and it's because of what he has done and not what you have done, then the world's standards no longer appeal to you. What really appeals to you is how can I please my God? Whether I'm here, up on the mountain, or whether I'm down here in the valley. And I'm going to say something to you people. I've had some things happen in my life. Some good things, that I would say. I've had some wonderful things happen for me, especially in my younger career. You know, when, when I was younger. I've seen some good things. I've seen some powerful people. And every time I got close to it, there was always this eerie feeling that something was missing. I could never shake it. I could never get totally comfortable in, yeah, I've made it. I'm about to be a boss right now. Oh, they're going to they remember me. I did, I did it. It's, the closer and closer I got to the fulfillment of that, something was, the Holy Spirit was like, mm-mm, that ain't it. That's your pride. That's you wanting to prove a point. I'm the greatest, Jamie. And everything you get will come from me. And if you get all that without me, you will realize you have nothing. Amen. 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 So, he continues, neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision. You follow me, Keisha? <laughs> Amen. Neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision. None of us can make ourselves better candidates for salvation by what we do to ourselves externally or internally. Lots of us want to fix ourselves, and after we fix ourselves, then we want to come to Jesus. But just because we are able to determine that something needs to be fixed does not mean that we are required or, or accountable or, or, or uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Doesn't mean that we are able you know, that we have the skills to operate on ourselves. We can see a problem. We can see where we need improvement. But that doesn't mean that we, are, we have the ability to, to determine and see what we need to cut and what we need to not cut and what we need to move and what we don't need to move and what areas need to be fixed. We don't have that ability. We're talking about matters of the heart. Now, when you go into surgery, if you're going to cut on somebody, you better know what you're doing. Amen? How much more so when we're talking about spiritual surgery? Are you hearing me? So I am not able to operate on my own heart. Neither are you. The best thing we can do when we come to Jesus is say, listen, this is all of it. It's messy as it is. It's not good. I read your law. I know I'm in trouble. I see that I need to repent. I understand that. Here's all my baggage, all my lust, all my wrong thinking, all the appetites of things that I crave that are not of you. Here's my long laundry list of all the stuff that I've done. 
And you made a promise that if I bring this to you, God, you would forgive me. If I repent of my sins, you would forgive me. So I'm not going to start this thing off myself. I, I can't do it. I've proven that I can't do it. My track record looks like, I, the history looks like I don't know what I'm doing. That's how I ended up here at your door. <laughs> Amen? So here I am, Lord. You fix me. You do it. You make the changes. You do everything in your time. I'm not going to circumcise or touch anything. You do all the operating. Amen? That's where we, that's where we have to come to. Here's the problem with circumcision and that thinking. It causes you to think that there's some things you don't have to repent for because you're going to take care of that yourself. There's no repentance if I can fix me. I'm not repenting to me. We repent to God. You think about it? It's by his standards, not mine. I look at the law and I see, oh, I've coveted. I've stolen. I've cheated. I've lied. I've used his name in a way that has no respect. I've not loved God with all my heart. I'm in trouble. Huh? I've committed adultery in all kinds of ways. Huh? Think about it. And the list goes on and on and on. Huh? I've not respected my mother and my father. Ooh. I've had an attitude with daddy. Yeah, some of them girls be like, well, you know. Shoo. Even that is a sin against God. Not against parents mostly. Against God. So the law has us coming and going. What needs to happen, saints of God, is we need to recognize that we need to repent. And when you really realize that you need to repent, you just bring all yourself to God and say, listen. I've done the best that I know how to do. It's not good enough. I need your son. I need Jesus. You promised you would be faithful to forgive me of all of this. And I'm going to walk with you from this point on. Amen? Amen. Amen. Last verse. Uh, two, two verses and we're done. From now on, verse 17 let no one cause me trouble. Paul is basically saying here, listen, let's just get back to what really matters. Let's get back to faith in Jesus Christ. Let's get away from this legalistic thinking. Let's get back to what really matters. Then he says, for on my body, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus Christ. Basically, Paul is basically constant, he's contradicting what he said earlier about the other Judaizers. The other Judaizers would not deal with any persecution. Paul is basically saying, no, I've proven that I'm the real deal. Look at the beatdown that I've taken for the message of the gospel. Amen? The big test that proves the sincerity of all religious effort is when you are persecuted for what you believe and you stand on what you believe no matter what comes. Amen? When it costs you something to stand with Jesus and you don't cave in. Amen? That means you're not thinking about yourself. There's the pride again. You're thinking about Christ. Amen? That's when you know that what you have is real. Last verse. Yeah. 16. Last section. As for all who walk by this rule, 
Peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. The law cannot save. It's only a tool to bring us to the point to where we see that we are guilty in breaking God's law. We realize that we are in trouble with God, and so what? We ask for mercy. Amen? Because we realize we cannot pay our sin debt. God, who is faithful, offers us mercy and forgives our our sins, and he brings us peace. So what he's saying here is peace and mercy belong to those, guess what? who are not depending on their own good works to save them. If you are depending on your own good works to save you, there is no guarantee of peace. Wow. And there is no guarantee of mercy. Woo. Amen? So God brings us peace by not trying to do good works to please him. God brings us peace by trusting in what Jesus has done. Are you hearing me? The mercy is going to those who recognize that they need the mercy. Are you hearing me, saints? Amen. So this is the good news. Those of us who are trusting in Jesus have peace. Those of us who are trusting in Jesus alone, by faith alone, by grace alone, we have peace. Mercy, it's yours right now, which means you are forgiven forever and ever and ever and ever. Your sin will never be counted against you. Why? Not because you're a great, wonderful person and impress God, but because of what Jesus Christ has done to save you. Amen. So no matter what we go through, It doesn't change how God feels about you because how he feels about you ain't based on you. (laughs) We are on our way to heaven no matter what. Why? Because we have put our trust in Jesus Christ and we will never be taken out of God's hand. Isn't that amazing? That ought to make somebody shout and run around. I'm telling you, it's because of what Jesus Christ has done. All that working to please God and I hope we're okay, Lord. No, Jesus says, I've settled that. I've done that. I've done it for you. Now rest in me. Trust me. Walk with me. The grace, verse, verse 18, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. God's grace is free and undeserved. You get it because God chooses to give it to you, not because you've done something to earn it. Grace was exactly what Paul hoped would be the result of his entire urgent letter to them, the Galatians, that they would return to the gospel of salvation by grace alone. Grace, not law. It was the theme on which he began in verses, uh, chapter 1, verse 3. It is a theme in which he closes. It is God's grace and grace alone. And this grace, this grace brings you to a place when you understand it is not something you have done but what Jesus Christ has done, that is the place that brings you to a place of humility and not pride. So if you're having a problem with the ego, look at Jesus. If you're having a problem with the ego, if you think you can impress God by trying harder, no, no, no. Look at Jesus. Now, here's the thing. I've said it before, and I must make sure you understand this. After Christ enters your heart, 
he will cause you to do the good works that he before ordained that we should walk in them from the foundation of the world. So that's what it says in Ephesians. So it's not that we don't do good works at all. It's we don't use those good works to try to impress God. But because of what God has done through his son, Jesus Christ, and saving us and forgiving us, out of that love, that response to that goodness that we could not have earned, then what do we do? We respond to Jesus. I said it this morning at my dad's church. I said, listen, here's the thing we need to understand. How can we look at everything that God has done for us and then tell God, not this area. You can't have this one. This is off limits, Lord. I know you gave your all, but I'm giving you only this much. No, 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 no. When you understand that love and that grace in the way you're supposed to, and we will be thinking about that for all eternity. Grace is something that will be unlocked forever. We'll just be going, whoa, whoa, whoa. When we see everything that God has done for us, huh? Throughout all eternity, when we are, we are, we are growing in grace over all eternity, when we see that, huh? How can we understand that that's what's going to happen and then tell God while we're here on earth, you know, I'm going to limit you to what you can tell me to do. My dad used to sing a song that I sang this morning. Lord of all, Lord of all. Christ must be Lord of all. Lord of all or not Lord at all. Christ must be Lord of all. Once we see that our circumcision and our wonderful way of trying to, you know, impress God is not going to do anything and will not give us what we're looking for as far as being right with God. Once we understand that and we bash that up against the fact that he saved us anyway, how will you respond? The good news is for good works. The good news will translate into good works. Not good works trying to get the good news. (laughs) It's good news that translates into good works. This will Deal with our pride. I'm done. Amen. 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 All right. So we are done with Galatians. It only took me a year. Actually, I was looking at one of my heroes, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, uh, older preacher from way back. He died a long time ago. I study a lot of old preachers. It took him three years to finish Galatians, so I'm, I'm not so bad. Amen. Let's stand. Amen. I don't know if you're here and if you don't know Jesus Christ. I don't know if you're looking into other religions and deciding that um, that's the way. My prayer today is if you can hear his voice, that you would turn to him, that you would trust Jesus Christ for salvation. He is the one and only way. There is no other way. If that's the sentiment of your heart and you understand that today, you want to repent of your sins and trust in Jesus, come talk to me. Amen? Let's bow our heads in this place.